Hi, friends, and welcome to season 11 of the Abiding Together podcast. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement in your journey with Jesus Christ. Every week, I'm joined by two of my very dearest friends, Heather Kim and Michelle Bensinger, and we talk about all things Christ, about life, about beauty, about sorrow. We laugh, we cry, you'll fit right in. (laughs) So grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and welcome home. Michelle, welcome, 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 welcome to week four of Lent. Thank you. I don't, I don't know. How do you say thank you to Lent? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. Yeah. Uh, you. So happy to I be here. Know. Not totally, but yeah. no, I'm happy to be with you guys. <laughs> like, is it Easter yet? Can we, can we talk I know, but that? I do love that this time of year, like things are starting to, the buds are coming out. Like there's like already these like signs of hope. It's like, so we're in Lent we're still feeling it, but it's like signaling, you know, the hope of resurrection, the hope of new life, the mm-hmm. like, and I want to really take that in this year of like all the signs that God gives us along the way and in the journey that speak to the new life that's supposed to come. It's not Lent forever. You know, it's mm-hmm. not winter forever. Mm-hmm. Like there always is a spring that comes There always is fruit that comes and new blooming that comes and and so similar for our own hearts. So yeah, just trying to pay attention to what God's doing right now with that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I've ever said this. Maybe I have because I feel like we've said everything on this podcast over the course <laughs> of 11 seasons. Everything. But I think we've said it all. And then we've said it like six times over. Um, but when I lived in Seattle and we you know ran a, that daycare after school, there was one tree that I would always watch in the springtime and because it would feel like Seattle, you know, cold and rainy and just dreary. And there was this one tree. I'm like, are we going to do it this year, tree? Are we going to make it to spring? Like, what's going to happen? And when that tree would start to bud, I'd be like, all right, we're going we're gonna to yeah. make it. It's not going to be winter forever. <laughs> awesome mm-hmm. always winter never christmas man. michelle doesn't have Which is that not unlike issue down there down in florida michelle doesn't have that it's always christmas at the benzinger house you know? hey it's been kind of cold over here but yeah i'm right there with you yeah <laughs> no it, it hasn't don't like, lie don't lie to us <laughs> yeah hey i'm wearing a sweater right now like look at that know, so that yeah fun? but yeah, you know, it's beautiful. I mean, isn't that what it means is spring? So there's something about mm-hmm. just the blooming and the becoming of the season that is beautiful, you know. But then you're like, okay, halfway through, is it over yet? You know, yeah. come on, here we go. And so, we you know, the this. craving for Chick-fil-A on Friday is still real. So come on, people, come on. You know. <laughs> bring it on, bring it on. Okay, so we are going to start um, on page part three of Almsgiving, which is well, the page one sixteen is the first, the fourth Sunday of Lent. But we're gonna, I'm gonna back it up a bit to part three, a few pages before that, and it talks about almsgiving. And the quote that we're gonna use for this section of our series is by Saint Ambrose, who says, "No one heals himself by wounding another." Which ooh, we can talk about that. And the quote for our time will be from the Gospel of Luke, chapter fifteen, verse thirty-one, which is from the parable of the prodigal son, where the father comes out to the older son, and after his older son has just expressed his deep resentment. And bitterness toward his father, he just looks at him with great kindness and he says, son, you're always with me and all that is mine is yours, right? All that is mine is yours. And so maybe as we journey into this section on almsgiving, Michelle, we talk about belonging to each other and our hearts are pierced for the sake of each other. What what would you, your, your experience of like almsgiving as like, not just money, obviously, but your presence and your love, which actually helps to heal others and bring them into communion. 
I think there's something so beautiful about almsgiving. Like I love how you said, even almost tithing your presence, you know, and making sure that you are present to the things that are most important. And I've been going through a certain course, and one of them that they talk about is legacy. What legacy do you want to leave? And what really bears fruit that will last? When you talk about that a million times on the podcast also. But what is a legacy that I want to leave? And one of them is, I think I almost prided myself on things that I could get done and multitasking and realizing, one, multitasking is not a reality. And two, that the things that matter are really the small and the ordinary oftentimes. They're the everyday and the ordinary. And that the big things that happen, especially in my children's life or my husband's life or the people around me in person, I have to discover them or be really attentive to them in the everyday and the ordinary. And that that's where the big things happen. The shifts in the hearts, the conversations that happen on the front porch, the conversations Mm -hmm. that happen around the dinner table, the conversations that it's not the big defining moments. It's the little everyday moments that really shape a life. And which has been such, it's kind of been like a big shift for me to realize that. Mm -hmm. It's also been a real training to learn how to be attentive to my own heart and therefore be attentive to other people's hearts. Like, I don't think I was doing a bad job but I wasn't doing a full job. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And because I wasn't at peace in my own being. So therefore, how can I be at peace with other people? And just noticing attentive to the inner workings of other people's hearts and attuning to them is a beautiful thing. I think a lifelong lesson to learn how to love well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Heather, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I like, sister, how you're drawing out here, you know, that it can help us be healed from our self-centeredness, which we all have, Mm -hmm. you know, even Mm -hmm. if we give a lot, sometimes it's not really with a spirit of generosity, you know, it may just be a default or there might be other reasons for that, but, but yeah, to really call us into a place of like presence, true empathy, where we're able to like put ourselves in the shoes of others and and go, wow, like what, what would this feel like? What would this be like? And to extend outside of ourselves because we, so often Mm -hmm. really are self-absorbed. We really are. And Mm -hmm. even if we're unaware Mm -hmm. of it, many of our thoughts, our actions, the direction of how we move through our day is centered around what I need or what I need to get through this day well or whatever that might look like. And so I love that aspect of going outside ourselves and And that can happen in the little moments, like you said, Michelle, or the big moments that God provides for us. Mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, it is truly looking at the other as this is Jesus here before me. And can I, can I love him? Will I, will I love him in these little people, these little places, the mess on the floor, all the way to, you know, serving at a soup kitchen or whatever that might look like. But sometimes it's hard to see him. Sometimes what's around us doesn't look like Jesus. And I think that that's an important thing mm-hmm. to press into. It just is reminding me of this story that I, somebody was telling me over dinner, Randy Rouse, actually from Life Teen, he was telling this story. We were out for dinner years ago, and he was talking about this guy, this journalist who was wanting to interview Mother Teresa. And she said, you know, if you'd like to interview me, you just need to come here and be with us and be with the sisters for a while. And I don't think that's what he bargained for. <laughs> he was like, just open it, you know, what, you get, let's get this over with. So, he goes there and and instead of talking to him right away, she like just has him start serving the poor that were there. Mm. And there was this one man who was like covered in sores and everything. And she said, I'd like you to bathe him. And he was like, gross, like gross. That was his initial reaction. Mm-hmm. Like he was just, that, that was the honest thing going on. Like, I am not here to do this. Like, I just want to like 
talk to you and get, you know, get what I want and then leave. And so he was, he was bathing this man and he, he was just so grossed out by the whole process of it. But as it, as it was going on, there was one time that he looked like in this mirror back at the, at the man in the bathtub and he saw Jesus there and he turned around and looked Mm -hmm. at him again. You know, just, there was this transformation that started to occur while he was pouring himself out for this man. And what started as being grossed out turned into this like total tenderness of seeing that this man was Jesus there. And when he came Mm -hmm. downstairs, Mother Teresa took one look at him and said, you saw him, didn't you? You saw him. Mm -hmm. And she could just tell there was a transformation that had occurred. And I'm like, she's such an incredible model of one who served Jesus in every single person that she met. And so for me that, yeah, like almsgiving, instead of it just being like, we've been talking about another box to check, like, oh, here's something I'm supposed mm-hmm. to do in Lent, or let me give my tithe here or there, or wherever. It's a, how can I see Jesus and love him in, in whatever it might be, you know, the poor, the widow, mm-hmm. the little person on the floor, bawling mm-hmm. their head off, having a tantrum, mm-hmm. like whatever it might be, can I see Jesus there? And, and so for me, yeah, that I'm praying about almsgiving this, this Lent is like, Lord, can you open my eyes to see you? Where can I see you? Where am I not mm-hmm. seeing you in those around me? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- gosh, what you both have said is gorgeous. And it is true because it opens up our whole realm besides giving quote unquote money to a cause. Like, let me just write you a check or let me just kind of lend my name to whatever that is, whatever you need versus like an investment of self. So true almsgiving is, is a an investment of self, which is why you see, you know, Christ when he's watching people put their ties into the temple and they're giving from their excess and the widow gives two small coins and that she gave all she had. Mm-hmm. And that's really when we talk about real almsgiving, like that's because it requires our presence. It requires our love. It requires our hearts. It requires our vulnerability. It requires us, yeah, going beyond ourselves, which, yeah, all of us have those narcissistic places where we're just, you know, self-absorbed. And I was listening to Bob give a, Dr. Bob Schutz give a recent teaching on marriage. He gave an unveiled retreat recently, and I was listening to the live stream of it. And he talked about communication versus coercion. Hmm. So he talked about how most of us spend most of our life trying to get people to love us the way we want to be loved. And if you don't love me the way I don't, the way that I want to be loved, then I'm not, you know, if you don't do that, then I'm going to either get back at you or I'm going to withdraw my heart or whatever. And Mm. he said, that's, or when we say you have to do this or you must do this, or you, he's like, that's coercion. And he said, it's very different when we find ourselves in distress or we find ourselves wanting to express a desire to first of all, turn toward the Lord and allow him to speak to that place. And then to go to somebody else and say, you know, this is my experience or this is, this is what I would like. And, and you're free. Like I just to give people the freedom to, to respond. And I was just thinking of how Christ doesn't ever coerce us. He's always inviting us. Like he truly communicates like heart to heart and he's inviting us into, into the gift of self. And and none of us like to be coerced either. Like we know inside we're like, Oh, I don't like that, you know? And so the Lord is bringing us into the freedom and in like that reality of, of almsgiving of the places of all of our relationships where we could, there's a million things where the Lord could invite us to, to be more present or to be more giving that it's not under coercion. It's true communication, which leans to communion heart to heart versus trying to get somebody to love me the way I want to be loved versus being present and give me the love that Christ offers, which we can only do when we're turned toward him. That's beautiful. I think the thing about tenderness is like, you know, it, it changes 
the disposition of just doing something to, to feeling it, to being mm-hmm. invested in what's mm-hmm. going on, you know, to allow ourselves to be moved by those around us. Yeah. And sometimes that's painful. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes mm-hmm. we have so many guards up. But I think that's the beauty of this topic is that it's like, can we just look at like what those guards might be and why? Like, can we just look at what are, he- mm-hmm. why, why do we hesitate? you know, in certain areas, like what is behind that? And I think that's the beautiful part of this book, sister. You're always just going, can we just peek behind this a little bit more, a little bit more? Mm -hmm. It's such Mm -hmm. a beautiful invitation. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Michelle? Yeah, I agree. And we will actually probably touch on this more when we go into the bride section of the women identities. But I think John Paul II was so prophetic and prolific when he talks about tenderness and love and responsibility. And he says, tenderness is the ability to feel with and for the whole person. It says, tenderness is nothing but the expression of my deep attunement to the beauty and goodness, to the pain and sorrow, to the whole subjective interior state of the other person and their uniqueness as God's beloved, and my desire to express my closeness to them in a tangible way. And I've sat with that quote for just over and over again. So what is the deep attunement? like to really feel the other person, their state, and really to call forth their beauty and truth and goodness and who they are. Mm -hmm. I was listening to a class and it was Dr. Dan Siegel, who is a really renowned psychologist. And he was saying, we have such a gift to call people into who they truly are, not how they're behaving or Mm -hmm. acting. And the deep maturity of us. And he was talking about the best children thrive and parents that know their own story. Mm-hmm. And can make sense of their own story because they have tenderness with themselves and therefore they can be tender with their children and not project their own stuff on their children. Like I was just thinking about God as a parent and he doesn't project anything on us. Mm-hmm. He just receives mm-hmm. everything about us. And what a beauty it is. And to learn how to love people that way. And I yeah. get to guess this, the older I get, the more I realize like it is a school of love and you, we are just... We're all students beginning. And we say that, and we've said it once again many times on this podcast, but that we are. We, we learn how to love people. And I love what Bob was saying. But I want you to love me like this. Mm-hmm. But do we take a step back and say, how does this person want to be loved? You know, mm-hmm. and like, I think I should love them this way and they should love me that mm-hmm. way. Like, we are all narcissistic in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. But to mm-hmm. study the other people in our lives and to ask the questions, the people that drive us freaking crazy, why? Like, what is it in no. them that is so hard to love? Because it's usually something about myself that I don't like so and that is reflected in them. Mm-hmm. And not to avoid those places, but to go deeper into mm-hmm. those places and say, all right, what the heck is it? Like, because this person drives me freaking crazy. You know, why? Why? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sister, I'm curious for you. I was just thinking, you know, like, um, because your your vocation so so beautiful, but it there is obedience as a part of your Mm -hmm. uh, vows that you take. And so you don't always get to choose where you are. In fact, often, many times, 99% of the time, you don't get to choose. You have no choice. And and knowing what your life was like before your vocation, where you could choose whatever, and you were choosing whatever you wanted, whatever moved you at that moment. What has been the fruit that you've seen Mm -hmm. in your own life as you've gone from a place of like, probably a, a more explicitly like self-absorbed life into one where you really even have given up like your choices to serve other people. And so you must find yourselves in situations where like you've talked about before, you're serving at a school and in this, you know, taking care of little kids or whatever it might be, all these different circumstances that I'm sure aren't comfortable. 
I mean, many times because it's mm. not where you'd want to go. Like I get to often choose where I want to be and who I want to serve. Um, so what has that been like just as you've surrendered even that to the Lord and you find yourself in all of these different places with different people? Yeah. What's the fruit that you've seen? Yeah, that's a great question, friend. Our founder, Father James Flanagan, would always say that, you know, of the three vows we take of poverty, chastity, and obedience, people always think it's chastity that's the hardest. But he's like, it's actually obedience yeah. <laughs> because it's, it's to truly lay your life down and to obey. That, that word comes from the word obedire, which means to listen. And so I think for me, it's been tremendously maturing. It's, you know, it's the it's the bond of love that you keep hitting up against that, that you can, you know, surrender yourself to more and more. And like, it's like having kids, right? It, it matures you or like coming into a relationship with somebody else, it matures you because it takes you beyond yourself. And, and not that, you know, and it's in our community, say, for example, if you're sent somewhere, you, you know, your, your superior will have a, a conversation with you about it. So it's not like, you know, but, and you can talk about that, but at the, you know, to borrow a cliched saying at the end of the day, you know, you, you will go trusting that your superior has a grace and an insight like that. That's it. That is the will of God for you. And I can honestly tell you that I have never erred a single time obeying mm. ever, ever, even if it was something that I couldn't see what was happening or it wouldn't be my first choice or living in a certain place. Like I don't really want to do that, but I've never now when I look back and I see it in my day-to-day -day life, just the, the daily obedience to our schedule that you don't always, you don't get to do whatever you want when you want to do it. We have a prayer schedule. We have certain things in our life that we do. And I've never, ever regretted obedience. Hmm. Has it been crucifying at times? Has it been very pruning at times? Yes. And the things that you say no to are hard at times, but it's, and I, I'm not saying this is like a pietistical way of saying it, but it's so you can give a greater yes. So for me, the way to maturity in my life has been through the religious vows of poverty, chest, and obedience. And I I, I would not be the person I am today without it. So it, it is true fruit. Like of Christ, Christ is poor, chaste, and obedient. Mm. And he, he listens to the Father. So that continual listening, even when it's purifying, it's, it's, it's so good and it's so important. And I, it, that, to me, that's a true hallmark of maturity. You know, can, we, can we obey in maturity, right, in, in humility? Mm. Yeah. That's beautiful. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. Michelle, like, if, I think for us, like our obedience comes in a different way way you know it's like we once we learn more about what is actually the call of our vocation that there is a certain amount of submission that's involved and not that that means that we you know are under someone's thumb or you know and I, I don't mean that just because we're women or whatever but like there's a submission that that is necessary to really thrive in our vocation it's like will I submit my desires before God so that I can serve the other to put the other first. And I know for you and I both like that comes with a lot of challenges and difficulty as well. Mm -hmm. But I can say for, for myself, and I think you would say the same, that, that those areas that we've had to give more than we thought that we could have been incredibly mm -hmm. beautiful for one, but they also are like places where I feel like very close to the Lord because it's like, I bring my poverty, God. And then you bring yourself here. And then all of a sudden my capacity to love another or to lay down my life goes far beyond what I think I could do. So I think it's just a reminder, you know, for all of us. And I need this reminder often that not these things don't have to be and they shouldn't be on our own power. It's really not going to bear the kind of fruit that we want. Mm -hmm. It's to open these places to say, I'm, Lord, ultimately I'm submitting to you, to your plan, to your calling for where I am in this particular state of life. Uh, for you to bear the most fruit in me. And I'm going to bring all the places of poverty that I have. And um, 
how do you want me to love better those around me and serve them? Mm-hmm. And I think it, just always for me, I think about going back to the parable of the loaves and the fishes. It's just my responsibility to surrender my loaves and the fishes. It's not my job to multiply them. That is his job. Mm-hmm. I just surrender what is in my hands. And I think for me, it's also an idea of stewardship. The Lord has entrusted certain people and things to me. And like I was reading a document about work that the, the church taught. And I was thinking, do I have good dominion over what the Lord has entrusted to me? The Lord has given dominion over this yeah. home, over this family, over certain things. Do I steward that well? Am I faithful in the little things to be faithful in the big things? Mm-hmm. I think now, even with the presence of social media, and we have all this, people are like, what's your platform? What's your platform? I'm like, and let's grow this. But are you faithful with what is right in front of you? You know, And the Lord will add whatever way, shape, or form that He wants you to communicate His love. He will take care of that, but it is mm-hmm. what is faithfulness, you know, and what he is calling us to steward. Because I know when I get before the Lord, it is not going to be about followers or whatever. It's going to be the Lord said, did you love these people that I entrusted in to you? And did you love them well? Mm-hmm. And I was just even thinking about, we mentioned earlier, Chris and I went away for a couple of days and I was just looking at him and... um we were sitting on the dock and I was just thinking like one of the things that I do wanted to say, like she loved him well, like that's important. Like, you know, in all of her faults and all, you know, like she loved him well. And just that's something, you know, like a desire of my heart because the Lord put it there. And that I was thinking of our marriages are supposed to be a reflection of the church and Jesus. Do I, and not that we have to be perfect because no one is perfect, but the Lord, but that we do have to aim for holiness and wholeness. Mm-hmm. And I want to grow. And like sister said, it's a lot of maturing. Mm-hmm. It's maturity, yeah, it you know, and this learning, like I realized about today, I'm about to be 50 years old, but there's still so many areas I love, ch- like a child, very childish, not childlike, childish, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And the we Lord's like, know. okay, girl, it's time to grow up in these areas. Mm-hmm. And I was like, when do you realize that you're actually the adult in the room? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And but the Lord, like he, we've um, echoed before, He's so kind and tender with us. Just like mm-hmm. yeah, it's maturing love. It's a beautiful love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I do think there's an aspect about sin, sister, that I would love for you to talk about a little bit that we do have to look at. I mean, we don't talk about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Like we talk about wounds a lot, but often they're closely connected, either the sin of others or the sin within yeah. ourselves. And and Lent is a time to mm-hmm. look within ourselves and. You were talking mm-hmm. about at the end here, the spiritual works of mercy and admonishing the sinner and, you know, all of that stuff. But I'm like, what what is going on within our own hearts? I think often we're like very acceptable of our own sin. Mm-hmm. Easier to point out one mm-hmm. and the other, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, the, the places where, yeah, where we miss the mark, where, where sin is ruptured and and where sin causes wounds. It does cause wounds. It causes wounds within us. It causes wounds within other people. And sin is a, it's a real thing and it has a very destructive power. And I'm not sure. I know in my own life, I've had sins in my own life that I did not want to confess and they eat you alive, Uh whether you realize it or not, they eat you alive and they do all kinds of damage. And so the confession of our sin every day, we talk about examination of conscience, but a confession of the places with, you know, where we can sit with the Lord and say, okay, Lord, where have I failed today? Like, where have I really, you know, either send, send an omission or commission or what I've done and what I failed to do, like all the things in my thoughts, like what that does is it helps our open our hearts. Like you're saying, Michelle, like to name those places of our hearts, to open up the storehouse of places where darkness has dominion, 
like, you know, forget about like the, the kingdom of God, where does darkness have dominion and darkness has dominion in my life in any place that is, is, uh, held in darkness mm-hmm. that has yet to be confessed in the Lord. And so that, that daily understanding of gosh, where am I missing the mark so that the Lord can come and bring me into communion mm-hmm. there, but also that he can restore us. And I think that's one of the best things about our, one of the best things about the sacraments is this is an objective, this is an objective experience that we're having of our sins being forgiven. Mm-hmm. That where the enemy might come back to say, you know, you did this, and you did this, and you did this. And yeah, I, I may have done that in the past, but with the sacrament of confession, when the priest prays that prayer of absolution, which is the merciful heart of Christ, he wills to remember our sin no more. Mm-hmm. And it no longer exists before the Lord. And there is, we talk a lot about therapy on this podcast, and we, we talk a lot about the sacraments in prayer, but just to reiterate, there is nothing that will ever replace a good confession. I agree. Absolutely nothing. No, no counseling session, no prayer experience. There is nothing in our life that will replace a good, holy, sacramental confession. And that is, I would say, on behalf of all of us, to urge our listeners, if you're Catholic, please, please go to confession. Please go because that has the power. It has the exercising power to cast out the dominion of mm-hmm. darkness and bring it to God's marvelous light and to order us in a way that nothing else does. And the priest is not going to pass out. I know we've all had experiences with priests who have been unkind and I, I don't want to dismiss that. And I, that's mm-hmm. very difficult, but just to encourage you to please, please go. Cause ultimately it's the merciful heart of Christ that's forgiving mm-hmm. you. Um, and cause that's very, it is, it becomes a cancer, it becomes very toxic in our life. And, Man, a regular confession is, is it's trans it's priceless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and in the, those places are tender places. I mean, I remember being young and having a priest yell at me when I went to confession, you know. And I'm like, as an as I'm older now, I can say to myself, like, the worst thing would be that I let that man sin because that was the man, not really the priest yeah. acting yeah. there. Yeah. To let that man's sin come between me and the Lord. Because that's the Amen. that's really the loss there. Like if I don't go to confession mm-hmm. because of him, the, the the loss is between me and the Lord. It, it does nothing for that person who wrecked everything in that moment, you know. So it doesn't dismiss the pain, but maybe there's someone that you can make an appointment with so that it's not random. You know, maybe mm-hmm. a priest that you trust mm-hmm. or that you know is kind and reveals the character of God in a certain way. But yeah, I agree. I think there's a tolerance for sin that we have in our in our life that as Christians, if we're following Jesus, those things have to be looked at. Like if we're drinking too much wine too often and going, oh, you know, that's just part of it. And it's more of a joke than anything. Hey, friend, you know, like maybe it's time to look at that and just say, am I really following Jesus here? Mm-hmm. And there's many, many other areas like we're not going to get into it right now because we're coming to the end of our podcast. But I think it's worth saying, and I would love for us to keep talking about this the rest of Lent, just like how do we address the places of sin in our life that we've become way too tolerant of. Because mm-hmm. I think that in tying it into our theme today of almsgiving and having to be faced with our own self-centeredness, like that is a place of self-centeredness where we go, oh, this is acceptable. I'm choosing to say to myself, this is acceptable. And my opinion about this yeah. is more important than God's law and mm-hmm. and his laws are made mm-hmm. in love, you know, so that we can truly mm-hmm. be free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something about Taking like I love John Paul II when he says love and responsibility. We have yeah, to take amen. responsibility for our own sinfulness. We have to take responsibility mm-hmm. for the areas. We have to become self-aware. But also I think we have to allow other people. We have the beautiful, amazing sacrament of reconciliation and confession. But also who are the people that hold us accountable in our life? Like my husband tagged me on this. He's like, You don't let me hold you accountable in this area. You know, mm-hmm. and I could say, but you hurt my feelings, but really it's an area mm-hmm. um immaturity in me. 
you know, you're right. Mm -hmm. You know, and my spiritual director tagged me on something last week. He said, okay, we agree to this and you did not. What is the block? And Mm -hmm. I could make a hundred excuses, you know, and Mm -hmm. it could sound pretty darn good, but I was like, you're right. I don't have it, you know, but it was an area of pride. Mm -hmm. It was an area of pride Mm -hmm. because I wanted to downplay this area, you know, and it wasn't like this blatant area of sin, but I, but you know, it could be, it could become, you can stumble over a little rock just as much as a boulder. You know what I mean? It was just like, okay, like I need to look at this. And so what is it? Who holds you accountable? You know, and who says like, okay, this isn't when we're saying admonish sinners, you know, and you want someone Mm -hmm. to do it that is in love and that, you know, loves you, you know, and not shame you. But also there's a people that (laughs) say, all right, call you on your stuff. Like, you know, girl, you being bratty. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) We need those people in our lives. And so, I mean, that's what community is for Mm -hmm. also. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And all of that is almsgiving. Like it really is, you know, it really, all of it is like going to confession, confessing our sins, allowing the Lord to order our loves. Like all, all of that is almsgiving. That's that it, it only, not only, it only benefits every, it benefits us, but it benefits everybody else too. I mean, I mentioned if the whole world went to confession or the whole world was, you know, interested in the places day to day where, you know, we were all, you know, the ways we fail in love. Oh my gosh, it'd be such a different, <laughs> myself included, like, holy cow, you know? Yeah. Amen. Yeah, indeed. Well, we know we could go on forever, but this is such good stuff. And it'll be interesting to kind of see what for each one of us, what the Lord stirs in our heart this week about giving alms and about the place he wants to bring us in true communion, true communication, the truth of the gift of self. And just to just to gently let the Lord do that in those places. And we can thoroughly, you know, the Lord might inspire something in your heart this week. You're like, all right, this this needs to go or this needs to come in. Like, let's let him do that. You know, let's let him do that. So Amen. Yes. Michelle, would you like to share your one thing for this fourth week of Lent? Yes. My one thing is actually two books, as usual. They are, one is, I'm going to butcher the name of this, but it is uh, God is Beauty, and it is a beautiful book retreat for artists from John Paul II that Christopher West and my good friend, Dr. Sarah Maples, and a couple of the others from Theology of the Body Institute put together. And it was a retreat they had translated into English just recently oh, wow. from Polish that John Paul II wow. did for artists, for a Lenten retreat, actually. Wow. And wow. it is rocking my world. It is so beautiful mm-hmm. and so good. And it just has all the areas of that I love, art, beauty, goodness, my good friend, Dr. Sarah Maples wrote a beautiful chapter in it too. It's just lovely. And I love it. And as we were talking about the other book, Sister Was, I'm listening to this book on tape. And it has, like you were saying, Sister, earlier in our previous listening to The Hobbit, the girl that narrates it has the best English accent and does all the voices and characters. And my husband and I were listening to it together the other day. And I'm like, I think God loves English and Irish accents the best because they are awesome. They are beautiful and they are awesome and Scottish and all of those. But it is uh, Patty Callahan. It's called Once Upon a Wardrobe. And it is about Mm. a little boy and his older sister. And the little boy is eight years old or nine years old and dying. And he wants to know if Narnia is real. And his sister is a student at Oxford University at the Mm. time of C.S. Lewis. You know, it's a fiction book. But and so the C.S. Lewis and his brother befriend this little girl and help him discover is Narnia real. And it is such mm. just a beautiful book about wonder and imagination and mystery. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are parts where I'm just bawling, but it's very magical. 
And she's also the author that wrote um, Becoming Mrs. Lewis about C.S. Lewis. Oh, okay. cool. So she's just a really great author. But, you know, it's, yes, I just fully recommend this book. And so it is just one of those ones that make you, yes, just say, oh, okay, this is good. This is really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really good. So, That's yeah. awesome. I need to make more time for that, for stories. I just, that, you know, mm. that's striking me as you both were talking about stories the last couple of weeks. That's so good. Mm. Um, my one thing is a recipe, uh, zucchini pecan muffins. Guys, what? It's, it's so good. I mean, Why it's, you not texting that to me? it's my favorite muffin right now. I'll text it to you. I'll text it to you. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, I'm just saying, if I could toot my own horn. It's really good. <laughs> oh, yeah, so next it. time you're having it friends is. over or you want to bake something for, you know, kids after school or you're having a little group meeting, like this is a good one. So it's going to be in the show notes. And maybe you can do it for a biting together. You're biting together meeting next week. We could just bring zucchini. Yeah. Okay. Muffins, that sounds good. Know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, it's in the show notes. Check it out and try it. It's you won't be disappointed unless you have a allergy to pecans. You would definitely be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> <You'll> be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Or or like a gluten allergy. So, you know, it's, it's good. Do your substitutions wherever you might need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sister, mm-hmm. what's your one thing? Mm-hmm. Well, I also have a recipe. And so I'm just all about soup lately. I love um, soup. And so my recipe for y'all is a homemade vegetarian chili. So if you're looking for something hearty and warm, but doesn't have meat in it, maybe you're trying to stay away from meat for Lent, or maybe you want to make it on a Friday, like to feed everybody, you will absolutely love this uh, homemade vegetarian chili. So I, it's very um, yummy. You can put meat in it if you want. You can put ground beef or ground turkey. That's also another option for chili. I tried it with ground turkey a few times. It just has a different flavor to it, but it gives it like a lighter, kind of a lighter version that's not so, some of chili is good, but it can be so heavy. But this recipe is totally vegetarian. And I think it will bless you and your family. Make some cornbread with it and you will be good to go. Nice. I'm going to try it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, dear friends, for coming along with us on the journey and the call that the Lord is um, giving to each one of us to give alms, right? And it comes from Him, so we don't ever have to try to figure it out ourselves. He's going to give that to us, and He's going to allow us to, to give that to all those who are around us. So thank you so much for joining us this week. Until next week, we'll be abiding together. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend? We encourage you to head over to our website, abidingtogetherpodcast.com, where you can find all the show notes, links to our one things, transcripts, group discussion questions for each episode, and beautiful mugs, t-shirts, journals, and prints on our shop. There you can also subscribe to receive our weekly email with links to each new episode and all of the content. We'd love to connect on social media and invite you to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so you can catch inspiring reflections every day. You're also welcome to join our private Facebook group and dive deeper into discussions with our fellow listeners. If the podcast has blessed you, would you prayerfully consider financially supporting us? The Abiding Together podcast is only available due to the generous support of our listeners. There are significant costs associated with creating this content, such as tech support, design, website, equipment, and hired staff that we need to be able to continue offering great content to you. Abiding Together is a nonprofit 501c3, and all donations are tax deductible. You can make donations of any amount through a website called Patreon, or you can send us a check directly if that's easier for you. If you donate $15 or more per month on our Patreon page, you become a tribe member 
and you will receive bonus content every month, such as short videos, recipes, playlists, downloadable prints, and more. You can find all the information about Patreon at patreon.com forward slash abiding together podcast. Thank you and God bless you.